The Denver Broncos roster is officially at 80 players after the team made a round of cuts over the last couple of days. Which players are no longer on the roster and how might this impact preseason preparation? Plus, Sarah Bettinger and myself, we put ourselves in the coach's shoes as it pertains to the quarterback competition as we could be nearing a decision at any point. We break it down all in today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back here to a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke. This is Sarah Bedger, co-host of Locked On Broncos. And we're going to break down a lot of action here today. The Broncos roster is officially at 80 after a round of cuts over the last couple of days. And Sarah, a surprise on there, in my opinion, at least at this stage of the NFL cut deadline. But happy to break it down with you, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a little early surprise here. I wasn't sure we were going to see this one, but really, really pumped for this next game coming up. So it'll be interesting to see now that they've kind of said, all right, these are some of the guys we're prioritizing for the practice squad. You know, here's your here's your final audition. Well, at the time that this video is premiering on YouTube, we have yet to hear from Vic Fangio, who the Broncos they had practice on Tuesday at the UCL Training Center. So we don't know if anything's been announced, but obviously if a quarterback decision has been announced, you're going to have an emergency episode with Sarah and myself uh, outside of that. But let's get to the surprise cut as the Broncos went from 85 all the way to 80. Josh Watson's name popped up Tuesday morning. A little bit of a surprise, I think, at this point, Sarah. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it came after week three. But I think to see him after week two was kind of surprising considering the Broncos also have an undrafted rookie free agent in Curtis Robinson on the roster that they didn't make a move on him. A little bit of surprise. Let's talk about Josh Watson real quick. Yeah, definitely a surprise with Josh Watson, Cody. I think that, you know, I, I was messaging with somebody on Twitter just kind of predicting who the next wave of cuts might be after last night's move or after after the moves that they made on Monday on Monday afternoon. And so I, I think that, you know, Watson's name is really an intriguing one to come across the wire. Uh, you know, they have, like you said, they have undrafted free agent uh, Curtis Robinson, but they also have Barrington Wade, a guy who was just recently acquired off the waiver wire from Baltimore, a rookie out of Iowa. So, and you know me, Cody, my <laughs> Iowa guys, I'm always pulling for those guys, but I am frankly surprised not only Barrington Wade, I was talking with a locked on Hawkeyes uh, host, Andrew Wade about Barrington, Barrington Wade. And um, we were both kind of surprised that, you know, he was even really given this, this amount of looks by NFL teams based on what he did at Iowa. Um, so it's interesting to see that he's getting a now kind of a, you know, a priority audition for that practice squad. So definitely intriguing to see a, a guy like Wade or even Robinson prioritized over Watson, who was a prized undrafted player just a couple years ago. Well, another Broncos move that they made too to get the roster down to 80 is they placed Brett Jones on injured reserve and he injured himself on the very first play of the fourth quarter series led by Brett Rippon that obviously ended in a Sean Byer touchdown. He played through the entire series and then he's going to have season ending surgery. So a veteran player there, he could be vested. I'm eager to see what type of placement if the Broncos do any regarding him, obviously with his experience and expertise playing in the NFL before uh, outside of that, the wave guard, Nolan Laufenberg, he's an undrafted rookie for agent out of air force. They brought him in as a camp body. He's no longer on the roster. And then they released Peter Tomo Penu, 
who was an outside linebacker that coming into everything uh, for the Broncos in mandatory minicamp, I said, hey, you know, keep an eye on this guy. Maybe he's that potential outside linebacker four. We just didn't see it in the preseason action, unfortunately, for PETA, but he is an athletic guy. I imagine he's going to catch on, obviously being a former seventh-round pick for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously wish him the best in his pursuit. And maybe the Broncos, I don't know, maybe at some point bring him back on the practice squad. Who knows? It depends on how the organization views him internally. And then outside of that, Adrian Killens, you know, lightning in a bottle. You know, as Vic Fangio said, he's Man. he's quick as a hiccup. Unfortunately, his time as a Denver Bronco was quick as a hiccup as well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, going down with that injury, they're going to come to terms with an injury settlement on him. And then Brandon Mack, wide receiver wave. So that lines out the Broncos roster cuts there. Any surprises outside of just Josh Watson? You know, I don't think anything overly surprising at this point. I think PETA was a guy that we had kind of talked about before as somebody who could maybe go in and be one of those, you know, do what Jonathan Cooper is doing in the preseason, right? Get get a few sacks. We've seen him do that before. In fact, he did it against the Denver Broncos once upon a time in the preseason um, when he was with the, I believe, the 49ers or maybe it was yep. when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, but I think that there's definitely, you know, these first 10 moves that they made. And since not everybody's been cut, I don't think it's been overly surprising. You know, you have some procedural moves, like you mentioned, Brett Jones going on injured reserve. And then you have Adrian Killens going down with an injury. You had a few guys. um, We we talked about, you know, before Devontress Dukes. I noticed on the Broncos roster today, just looking at their roster, that he's actually reverted back to injured reserve um Levante Bellamy back on injured reserve so a few of those guys cleared and and made it back onto the Denver Broncos so we'll get to see them again I wonder I wonder if there's any of these cuts that they'll kind of stash you know like you said with Killens you could see injury settlement and other times you see them stash guys on IR and and bring them back for competition next year so I don't think anything overly surprising I think like you said Peter he'll probably get an opportunity somewhere else whether it's practice squad or whether it's whatever even if it could be in Denver um, but yeah, definitely. I think at this point it's been, I don't want to say chalk because not everybody that I thought would get released has been released, but definitely, definitely pretty straightforward other than Josh Watson, I think. Yeah. When the Broncos after the preseason game against the LA Rams is upcoming Saturday, they're going to make a move to get from 80 all the way to 53. So there's going to be a wave of cuts that come in. The hope for some of these players that the Broncos really like is that they clear waivers. They put them on practice squad because you're elevated now to 16 guys, which is, I think is an added benefit for every NFL team. So we'll see which Broncos players to do. Sarah, I don't think it's going to lead up to the deadline though. I think usually NFL teams after the final preseason game, Usually the day after, the morning after, to the afternoon, that's when they make those final cuts. They don't wait till the deadline. And I think that the Broncos, they're not hard-pressed to wait till the deadline. I think they're going to get their 53 well-acquired well before the deadline even passes. So we're going to keep our eyes on that situation as it becomes ongoing. But Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, Sarah and myself, yes, quarterback competition talks going to continue. No known starter as of the time of us recording this podcast and putting it on YouTube for all of you avid listeners all across Broncos country. We're going to put ourselves in the coach's shoes. We had a great topic of discussion on yesterday's episode of the show. But before we do that, let me tell you about BetOnline.ag, the sponsor of today's episode of the show. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You get all the updates, odds, and props and contests, including the online's Biggest million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, which are all open now 
at betonline.ag. All you got to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of the opening day promo where you can bet on the Thursday night football action between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action from football, basketball, boxing, and all of your Vegas casino games. You don't want to miss out on all the offerings that BetOnline.ag has to bring to the table. And you can go to BetOnline right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sarah, we had a really good episode, I think, on yesterday's episode, Lockdown Broncos, for Monday. Talking about the Broncos quarterback competition, we know it's coming to an end. We both made cases as to maybe how the optics view for both sides, the pros and cons for Teddy Bridgewater and for Drew Locke. And look, there are some people in the comment section, I think for the most part, that agreed with a lot of what you had to say. And you're not wrong, Sarah. You're, you're spot on in that. But there were also some people that called us Drew Locke fanboys, which I have no idea where that even came from. I don't think that we've ever really been on this platform and said, hey, we want this guy to win. I think that we have always kind of presented the case for both players in the right lens that not many media members do. So, uh, you know, there's always going to be some people in the comment section that get fired up or flustered about what we have to say. But the reality is we bring you as objective a coverage as we can of the Denver Broncos. So now kind of shifting our focus as we still await quarterback for the Broncos, who it may be. We want to put ourselves in the coach's shoes here. If we're Pat Shermer, if we're Vic Fangio, if we're Mike Shula, the position coach for QBs, Sarah, how do you view Drew Locke if you are any of those three guys? You know, I I think if you're putting yourself in the position of these coaches who could, you know, they could be on the hot seat. I don't know necessarily how much internally that's talked about. Like it's I don't view George Payton as the kind of guy that's like, hey, just so you guys know. You know, if, if we're not winning games, like you guys could be fired in the season. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's that kind of a guy. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't strike me that way. Um, he strikes me as somebody who would definitely, you know, take this year and who definitely gave that vibe, you know, in the offseason when he didn't draft a quarterback, when he didn't make a big trade for anybody. He really gave that vibe that he's giving everybody, uh, you know, this year to kind of prove things and see and then reevaluate at the end of the season. And that to me, that included Drew Locke. And so if I'm the coaching staff, I would be and I don't know exactly all the information they have. I don't know exactly what they see in every practice and what they're looking for every single practice. But to me, I would want to make sure that I had done everything that I possibly could to make sure that I had exhausted the the option that Drew Locke could be the future of the franchise. I think that so often there's this fine line between like, okay, the coaching staff has to do its job and win games. But also you have to keep in mind like what's what's going to be beneficial for the Denver Broncos over the course of the long term? Is it going to be Drew Locke turning out and becoming a great player? Or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater having a great season? I, I think that they're, you know, in the mindset of either or. And so from their perspective, I think that you would say, you know, maybe play it safe. Maybe play it safe with Teddy Bridgewater. But I'm interested to know what you think on that, Cody, because you've been in locker rooms before and, and maybe around quarterback competitions. Like, I, I can't imagine making that decision as a coach and having, you know, maybe not necessarily any ties because it wasn't like Shula and Shermer or George Payton were there when when Vic Fangio and John Elway and the coaching staff with Rich uh, Rick Scangarello made the decision to draft Drew Locke. They weren't there. Yeah. So they don't have necessarily that vested interest in him. So I'm interested to know your thoughts as well. Well, you know, if I'm Vic Fangio, I'm going to look at it from Vic's point of view, and then I'm going to look at Pat Shermer's. I, I think for Vic Fangio, there, there's a lot of talks here, and I think rightfully so. I think this is an, an optic that is valid to those who are making it, is that Vic 
think Fangio would probably go with the safer option. But in the reality, Sarah, has the safer option ever really worked out historically for many NFL teams? I don't think it has. And if we're talking about Vic, who often at times by fans has been called a guy who's too scared to be aggressive, I, I've never really necessarily seen him not be aggressive. Defensively, aggressive as all be. We saw him in preseason action this past week against the Seahawks. He went for it on fourth down three times. Stuff that we've never normally seen Vic do. Often at times he's been known as kind of this conservative uh, uh, coach when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, aggressive on defense. But does he really have the time space, right? Because as you mentioned, George Payton has no ties to Drew Locke. Obviously wants to see him do well, wants to give him the chance to do that. And internally, we know it's been reported by Benjamin Albright, Ryan Edwards, our good friends over there, Broncos country tonight, that there has been some talk within the organization that there are guys, there's coaches, there's personnel guys who are split on Teddy, who are split on Drew Locke. And I think this comes down to the collective conversation between the coaching staff and the personnel department. Who gives you the best chance to win? Now, Sarah, I don't think I can sit here right now, and I don't think any of us can because we really don't have all the data, right, as you mentioned, as to who gives the Broncos the best chance to win. I think when you look at Teddy, his experience is valuable. I think when you look at Drew Locke, his talent that he has, being able to push the ball downfield is going to be something that the Broncos do need. Can Teddy offer that to you? We don't quite know that just yet, but based on historical data and film of what we've seen with Teddy, Teddy's not going to be the guy that's going to be throwing 80-yard touchdowns, at least right now, that, that we've seen. However, in training camp, we have seen Teddy be a little bit more aggressive with shots downfield. I have liked that. I can't sit here and say, I want this guy to be the quarterback because it's not my place as a member of the media. However, if I'm Vic Fangio, you have to really take that chance. Or if you play it safe and it doesn't work out, what is the message going to be? I mean, ultimately, that could be your career-defining legacy as a head coach. You may never get a head coaching job again if it doesn't work out, right? Let's say Drew Locke is the guy. Let's say that the Vic goes with Drew Locke. I think that's a relevant risk you have to take because, as you mentioned, Sarah, you were in that draft room and you had influence. And, and that's what John always said. People forget. John always said, hey, we consulted with Vic, and Vic said, hey, make the call. Vic is also responsible for drafting Drew Locke. So do does Vic owe it to Drew this year? I don't know. This is where it really comes into, Sarah, I think the conversation that people aren't having is that based on these two games alone, I don't think we have enough to say, hey, this guy should be the starter over the other. I think that both guys have played really well this preseason from a mechanical standpoint, from an operation of the offense. I think you need to see more, and it goes back to what you had talked about yesterday, Sarah, we have yet to see Drew Locker, Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball to guys like Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton, guys who are going to be such integral parts of this offense. We've seen Jerry Judy and we've seen KJ Handler both benefit from both Teddy and Drew. So how can you make a decision so far outside of maybe what we're not seeing at practice? Because now practice is close to fans and it's open to media, but there's stuff we can't really report on. It's such a tough, it's such a tough call, you know. And it's I brutal, think man. It is brutal. It's brutal even for us, you know, because it's like you said, it's not like we necessarily and I I'm on record as saying I think it should be Drew Locke. Um, as far as want, what what I want is for the Broncos to win. I could care less who's playing if they're winning yeah. games. I was I would have been excited if Joe Flacco won games. I would have been excited if Case Keenum won games. The fact is and the reality is is that they didn't and they were pitched as these safe options, you know, that give us the best chance to win. How many times have we yeah. heard that over the last five years? I'm so every sick year of since it, Peyton so. retired. <laughs> every single year. It's a, this guy gives us the best chance to win. Okay, well, you're not doing it. So something's not working. And so I think that the thing for me, Cody, is is I think that what what Fangio needs to do, and we saw this in the behind the scenes documentary about the about the draft. This has to be as collaborative of a decision as anything else. Ultimately, Vic gets to make the final call. 
But yep. I think you need to bring in – I think you need to bring in George Payton on the decision. I think you need to bring in – I don't necessarily think you need to bring in John Elway, but I wouldn't hate it. You know, I think you need – you obviously have Pat Shermer, Mike Munchak. Those are former head coaches in the NFL that are part of your decision-making process at this point. And I would go so far as to say – you need to bring in some of your key leaders on the team. These guys who have been through the losing, these guys who have been through even Von Miller and Brandon McManus, they've been through the winning and the losing. Bring yeah. some of these guys in and get their perspective and take it take it to heart, actually. You know, we know Vic Fangio is a great football mind, but we've also seen him make some weird decisions during games. And, and yeah. so I think that there's some, there's some, you know, Vic, Vic's stance on meritocracy in the NFL is well documented at this point. And I think that for the most part, he does a really great job of playing the best players and getting, getting guys opportunities who, you know, maybe undrafted or late round picks. And he's done such a good job developing players from Deshaun Williams that we talked about on Monday's episode, a great example of Vic looking at the meritocracy and, and that working out in his favor at the quarterback position. It's not just about, okay, this is a defensive tackle that's going to play 30, 40% of the snaps. This is a guy that's going to lead our team. And so you need to talk to the players who are other leaders on your team that will follow his leadership. And I don't think your decision has to necessarily be based on the opinions of your players completely. But I do think that their their input is really valid at this point, because if you're saying that it's close, if you're saying that it's it's too too tough to call after two preseason games and you're not even naming the starter at this point before preseason week number three, two weeks out from the start of the NFL regular season. I mean, you've got to you've got to no no stone should be left unturned is essentially what I'm trying to say. No, I think you make some valid points there. And I think ultimately it goes down to, yes, it's going to be Vic's decision. But I think that if a decision is made without that collaboration that you alluded to internally from the other coaches, position coaches, guys that have that head coaching experience, and maybe just some input from the personnel department, I would be very concerned with the structuring of how things are operating, right? And this is all information that we don't have access to. Usually if something happens, we find out well after the fact. So I'm hoping this isn't one of those situations where it's going to come down to Vic and Vic alone. I hope Vic and just knowing what I've talked to from coaches in the Broncos organization, there usually is a collaborative approach. So we're going to have to wait for the explanation whenever the decision is made, whenever the announcement is made, we'll hear the decision. And uh, it's going to be very interesting, Sarah, to hear what the reaction is. I know Broncos country, look, you have fan bases that kind of split on they want Drew or they want Teddy, and they're not going to support the other guy. I, I don't understand it. That's not me. You should hope that the Broncos will win with either guy. But the reality is that's fandom in a nutshell. And uh, Broncos country coming up here in just a moment, we're actually going to turn our thought process onto a player spotlight here of Seth Williams. But before we do that, folks, let me tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode. Show that's a good friends over there at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Salted caramel is my go-to peanut butter brownie. I go to it every single day. I usually put the box or I put a couple of bars either in the fridge or a freezer for an hour, and then I take it out, and I take a bite into it. And the thing I like about it, it's not rock hard. It's soft and easy to chew even after you do that. I like that because I like it cooled down a little bit rather than warm chocolate. It's a weird pet peeve of mine, but that's how I roll over the year. And Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market today. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Not to mention Bilt Bars are the healthiest protein bar that are out there on the market today. The, the bars contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. And I want you to get your hands in a box of Bilt Bar by going to Bilt.com. And when you go to checkout, make sure you use promo code LOCK15. It's going to get you 15% off your next order, courtesy of the Lockdown Brand. Broncos podcast. Once again, promo code LOCK15 is going to get you 15% off your next order at built.com. 
All right, Sarah, jump into the fourth quarter action of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. Just a reminder, Broncos country, you get this podcast free and available everywhere on your favorite audio podcasting platforms and in video format on YouTube. Make sure if you have friends or family who are Broncos fans, turn them on to the Lockdown Broncos podcast. We respond to every comment on YouTube. We like to interact with everybody as members of the media. Your feedback and your perspectives as fans is super important to us. So make sure you keep it tuned in here. Lockdown Broncos, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. But Sarah, our player spotlight yesterday, we focused on Justin Sternot on the defensive side of the ball. I really wanted to focus here on Seth Williams because he's been a player we've talked about throughout training camp and even in the draft process after they had drafted him. How can Seth Williams maybe fit into a role in the Broncos offense? Maybe not even if year one, but maybe in year two or long term. I look at the data we have right now through two preseason games, Sarah. We simply don't have enough, and he hasn't really been as actively involved. He's had two plays. That's really it. Uh, is, is there a little bit of concern here that the Broncos haven't really done a lot to get him the ball when there's other guys like Trinity Benson and Kendall Hinton that have been seeing a lot of action so far in the preseason? I, I think there's a little bit of concern with that. I think also, too, you know, you might be playing kind of the game of chess from the from the coaching or front office perspective of, you know, Seth Williams is a guy we really like. And I'm putting on my, this is my George Payton hat right now. So <laughs> Seth Williams is a guy that we really like. And so we don't necessarily want other teams to be seeing how much we like him by featuring him in the preseason. You know, we liked enough what we've seen in practice to know that we want to get him on the team one way or another, whether that's practice squad or whether that's active roster. To me, when when we were going through the draft, and, and you know me, Cody, I like to call my shots during the draft. I don't hit on all of them. I'm probably closer to like a baseball player's batting average than batting, you know, 100% here, but maybe in like the one out of three range. But I was calling for Seth Williams on day three. And the reason being is that you have Tim Patrick in, you know, on that restricted free agent tender, the one year deal. And yeah. Seth Williams really profiles as a similar, um, similar version of, of what Tim Patrick is as a player on the outside, but a better athlete in terms of just his metrics, you know, speed. Uh, vertical jump, all those different metrics that they do at pro days and at the scouting combine. Seth Williams really outstanding in that regard. So I view him as a long-term Tim Patrick replacement. And I think that with that, you know, you have a guy who he showed kind of the full gambit of everything on that one play, the shovel pass from Drew Locke. He really showed me everything that I like about him on that one play. You know, obviously the ability to create after the catch is is pretty special when he gets that opportunity. But I think what was really, really intriguing to me on the, you know, on that play is the speed that we saw from him, man, just the ability at that size to be able to move that fast. He's one of the few guys on the Broncos roster that can do it. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting because, you know, we've heard more and more lately that the team still likes Tyree Cleveland. We've heard more and more lately that they still like Deontay Spencer. Trinity Benson obviously has probably had too good of a camp to cut. So what? where do you go from here? Uh, yeah. I think there's just too many guys. And so I, I'm, I'm interested to know what you think too, Cody, because I don't know how you fit all these guys on the team. That's the dilemma, right? I'm so glad I don't have to make the decisions to, okay, hey, cut this guy. You know, when I play Madden, I still I still struggle with that because they always pop up the menu. We recommend that you cut this player. I'm like, I don't want to cut this player, though. I don't want to do that. Who am I going to cut now? You know, I think with, the you know, a guy like Seth Williams, you mentioned it, right? The speed of the explosiveness. So something that also stood out to me, before he got tackled, he kind of jumped like he was going to try to hurdle somebody. And his momentum carried him an additional five yards, which I like that. So it goes to show that he has this explosive nature to him. We look at things that Deontay Spencer did against the Seahawks. He had that great catch on third down in the two-minute drill. He had a nice return. But then that drop, right, that, that short drop on a short field, that to me I think is like you can't afford to make that mistake when you have guys like 
you know, Seth Williams and you have guys like Trinity Benson are making plays. Tyree Cleveland, we still haven't seen a lot yet. So I, another thing why I'm glad I have you here on the show, Sarah, is I never really thought of it from that angle, what you pointed out as to maybe the Broncos don't want to showcase what they know, what they've seen in practice in preseason games so they don't risk out on losing him. He very well could be cut, brought onto the practice squad, and then elevated to the active roster week one. We saw that with P.J. Locke last year for the Broncos. They released him. They brought him back, and then they activated him. They elevated him because the NFL cut time, you're so restricted in what you can do. I think that presents a little bit of a risk for many NFL teams. We saw the Broncos do that last year with Justin Holland. So I never thought of it from that perspective. So that's always great that we always have somebody else here providing another angle rather than just me talking to myself for 30 minutes. So I appreciate you for that. But I I was thinking about it too, right? He was targeted one time against Minnesota. He had a 13-yard reception. He was targeted one time on that shovel pass. Yards after the catch, 33 yards. I was thinking to myself, what does he have to do this week? I don't think he has to do much because we've seen him in practice. He's also a very underrated blocker, Sarah, and I don't think many people have been touching on that enough. Which he needed to do at Auburn, right? I mean, that was a team that kind of struggled to throw the ball. I read some. I read a pro football focus article a while back, kind of right after the draft, talking about how Seth Williams, I think, had one of the top two or three most uncatchable passes thrown his direction. So we know oh, that rough uh, Nick's there. Is rough with Bo Nix. Yeah. So hopefully Bo can take that step forward for, for Auburn this year. But obviously got to be proficient as a run blocker to to be able to have any sustained success in that offense and get those snaps. So I think that that's definitely something. And, and I think Coach Azani does a good job of of preaching that to those guys too because we've seen some good good blocking downfield from even guys like Kendall Hinton. We've seen it from oh, yeah. um, we've seen it from KJ Hamler. I mean it's those guys that's definitely ingrained in them by Coach Azani. So I think that he does a good job with that and I I would really like to see Seth Williams get a shot to stick around this year. And I don't know if that necessarily means trading Tim Patrick. I think that the closer we get to, to roster cuts, it's going to become apparent what the Broncos really think about that. And obviously, you know, by Tuesday, we'll know um, next Tuesday, a week from today. So it, it's going to be fascinating, man. I just, I don't know at what point as a general manager, as if you're George Payton, again, how do you, how do you figure out? We need to, we need to win this year, of course, but at the same time, you know, we need to win beyond this year as well. So we're not going to be able to keep Tim Patrick after this year based on look at Robbie Anderson out there getting $14.5 million a year. If Tim Patrick goes out and has a big season, how is he going to take any less than that as the inflation of the NFL keeps on going up and up, the cap goes up and up? I mean, I just don't know how that's going to work out. And so it, it's one of those tough situations where, you know, same as Nate Hairston in the defensive backfield. Do you keep the guy that's played? Or do you keep the guys that are showing you upside that are under contract for four years? So I, mm. it's just tough. It's a tough, tough call. And you hate to see guys like that hit the waiver wire because, you know, Cody, when those guys hit the waiver wire, we're just sitting there on pins and needles for an entire day wondering, is this guy going to be able to get back to the practice squad? Will they even want to? If Seth Williams gets cut, would he would he explore opportunities elsewhere to get on a different team's practice squad that might not have four, five, six guys ahead of him on the depth chart. You've got to think about that kind of stuff as well because players and their agents take that into consideration. So I think if you're the Broncos, you've got to be thinking, I mean, you've got to be really, really sure if you let Seth Williams go that you're okay that he never comes back. That's, That's the thing that you have to be okay with, which I think is really tough for me. 
That's the hardest part about being a GM. And look, I think for for a lot of us too, and I think we all get caught up, I think it's easy for fans. I think it's easy for media members to say, oh, you know, hey, they can cut this guy and just bring him back. But the reality is the decisions that these general managers, personnel departments actually make with the information because they're they're made aware by other teams. Hey, we like this player. If you release him, we may take him. They have to make these calculated decisions to avoid maybe a ripple effect, which when you think about the magnitude of 32 NFL teams and all these roster moves that happen – Man, I tell you what, it's a hard way to operate, and you have to have a really good grit as a GM and as a guy who's been around the game. Look, George Payton has done that. I can tell you this by personally speaking to players. what The vibe in the Broncos locker room with George Payton alone has created a, a new atmosphere. It's created some excitement because it says, hey, if you play well, you could be rewarded. And so we'll see how things operate because trades can kind of misconstrue that a little bit here and there. Sometimes you, you want to do what's best for the player, and the team, and sometimes it doesn't always align in the eyes of the fan base. So that's where we currently sit at with, I think, a lot of topics as it pertains to the Denver Broncos here. But, hey, my friend, thank you so much for joining in to today's episode of the show on Broncos Country. Just a reminder, this podcast was recorded on Tuesday afternoon around 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time. So if, in fact, some Broncos news happens with the quarterback competition We'll launch it a little bit of an emergency podcast. We'll focus on it a little bit more in depth, but I appreciate all of you for tuning in to today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, free and available everywhere on your favorite podcasting provider and in video format here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell to get notifications anytime. We have a brand new episode of the show. Speaking for my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, I'm Cody Rourke. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.